Father in heaven, we thank you for the blessing we've received today. Now, Lord, as we take just a couple minutes to look at Scripture, speak to our hearts, and then move on our hearts, because this service isn't like our normal ones. We need to make a response at the end of it. Help us to do that according to your leading. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Have you ever really desired to give? You know, it's not really a common emotion we experience, is it? We tend to know the emotion of really desiring to get. But apparently, there was a group of people in the region of Macedonia who were so moved by the Spirit of God upon their lives that they were eager and strongly desired to make donation, not just out of some excess because it wouldn't impact them at all, but they were moved in their hearts to make gifts even out of their poverty, Paul says. Verse 5, and they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God also to us. So I want to talk to you briefly about this Macedonian model of giving. You see what they did? They gave themselves first to the Lord and then they gave themselves also to us. They gave themselves to each other, to a common purpose, to the accomplishment of a common work. And you know, that whole model gave themselves to the Lord and then to each other. Doesn't that remind you maybe of the great commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. This is just the great commandments lived out in giving. Verse 6, so we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. You see, Paul was on his way to Corinth, but he hadn't arrived there yet, so he sent Titus on ahead to be there and to talk with them and to get everything in order. You see, this, this expected donation, they knew this day was coming, and Paul was encouraging them to be ready. And, and that's kind of like what we've been doing here for the last three weeks, building up to this day this expected day when we're going to make commitments together. Verse 7, But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. The Christian is to excel at certain things. One of those things is faith. And I mean, that's pretty obvious, right? If, if we don't actually have faith, then what's the point? So excelling in faith is very important to the Christian. The Christian is to excel in speech. 
Oh, okay, well that doesn't just mean getting up front and talking, but what it means is the Spirit of God should be so in us that whether we are sharing the gospel or just living life and doing business, the people we speak to should know by our speech, by what we say, by how we say it, by the Spirit behind our words. They should know we are Christians in the way we behave. Because what a shame it would be to be Christian, yet go out into the world and betray it with our speech. So yes, we must excel in faith and in speech and in knowledge. This is why we encourage one another. Pick up the Word. Read the Word of God that we might gain that godly knowledge. Excelling in earnestness. Well, that makes sense. That's what helps us maintain all of these things. And, of course, excelling in love. I don't think any of us would disagree with any of those points so far. But Paul adds one more way in which the Christian should excel, and that is giving. How many of these do you excel in? Some of them a lot, some of them not so much. The truth is they are all important for a believer. It should be as automatic in our hearts that being a part of being a Christian is to give just as it is to love and to have faith and to have knowledge. But that giving is not supposed to be forced, nor is it to be something we're shamed into. Verse 8, I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. So once again in this, as always, Jesus provides us the example of what it means to give by giving in a way far beyond we, what we could ever ask or do. So the people in Corinth were not new to this idea. They knew that Paul was coming and that they would be taking up a collection. Just as we're not new, you knew that today was the day we would be making this special appeal. Verse 10, And here is my judgment about what is best for you in this manner. Last year you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. Remember we talked about building that tower? Don't start. Get it done. Verse 12, For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Willingness according to what one has. So here's the thing about participating together as a community in giving. Number one, there's no such thing as a minimum gift. It's not like there's this threshold and you're like, well, I can't get there, so there's no point in me. No, it's about you participating and giving as the Lord has given to you. But the second, there aren't any maximums on it either. Because there are some who could give way more than a lot of other people, and it wouldn't impact them at all. Remember the story Jesus told, or what he pointed out, the time Jesus was at the temple? And there were those who came and gave much, but the widow came and gave from what little she had. Do you remember what Jesus said? 
She has put in more than them because she gave from her poverty, yet they've given from their increase. It hasn't even touched them. There's no minimums, and there's no maximums either. Both gifts are to be in accordance to what God has given, according to the resources under your authority. So today is our commitment day. Building boldly for Jesus, our project to meet our ministry needs of today and of tomorrow, and to improve our ability to partner with the parents in this church in faithfully passing our faith to the next generation and potentially generations beyond that. Remember, God's purposes are eternal, but our period of participation in them is not. And if His purpose is to be fulfilled, we must faithfully pass that purpose on to the next generation. It's not enough for us to be faithful in our day. We must make provision for the days to come. This is how we can be His light in the world. You got this in your bulletin. It talks about what we're doing today. His light in the world. The facilities project we've been talking about for the last three weeks. The project to build a new children's ministry wing and to make expansion to our lobby space so that we have room for fellowship and interaction and to upgrade our restrooms so that we have the facilities we need to meet the needs of those here and those who will come. This project is the project of our generation. We're meeting right now in this room There may be a few of you here who were a part of this church 50-plus years ago when the decision was made to build this sanctuary. Is there anyone here today who was a part of that group 50-plus years ago? We've had some people occasionally, but I don't see anyone here today. Are we today being blessed in this place because of some faithful work we did to make it happen? Or are we being blessed in this place today because of the work they did 50 years ago on our behalf? We're being blessed because of of their choice, aren't we? This building represents the purpose of their generation, represents the work, the task, the facilities project of their day. And we are among those blessed by it over all those years. But there is for us a work in our day. Have you ever been to Oxford University? I went there once some years ago with Alicia. We had a great time. We went and visited there. It's an amazing place. But one of the things that really struck me about Oxford University, it has all these different colleges, and every 100 years... Each college builds a new square. So the college will have the square from the 1500s and the 1600s and the 1700s and the 1800s and the 1900s. And what a tragedy for some of them. They built it in the 60s. What a disaster those were. But, you know, different eras of architecture. Every hundred years, the generation will build a new square. Okay, it's not a hundred years, but it's 50 years. 
And it's time for us as a congregation to make our contribution to this larger facility, to the larger purpose that God has in mind here. Now let me tell you something. The ones who came before us 50 years ago are to us like the Macedonians, and we are like the people of Corinth. Because those who came before us and built this amazing place where we come and worship every week, compared to us today, commanded just a fraction of the resources we have access to right now. And just like the Macedonians who made provision out of their poverty and God blessed it and created an amazing place, so we today have the opportunity to give like they did only for us out of abundance. So much more we can do. We are like the Corinthians to them, commanding resources far beyond 2 Corinthians 8, verse 8. I'm not commanding you, but I do want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Well, how do you think we compare in our earnestness in giving, in our farsightedness, in our willingness to make a sacrifice now for the blessing of those who come. How do we compare with the ones who gave us this space? I think we're going to compare pretty well. And today I believe we will prove that. There's a model for giving that we need to follow today. Some rules which we need to know, and promises as well. The model for our giving today? The Macedonian model. They first gave themselves to the Lord, and then they gave themselves to each other. So this is the first point. Are our hearts truly committed to God and His purpose? And... Do we share a sense of community, a sense of common purpose in this place? If those things are in place, then we are ready to give. More than ready to just be asked to give, but that would put us in the category of being eager to give. Now, what are the rules? There's two rules, and there's one promise of blessing. There's the generosity rule. There's the conviction rule, and then there's the promise of blessing. These come out of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. So I want to read those to you. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. This is the generosity rule. Hold back, and the blessing is limited. Give with generosity, and generosity will return to you. That's the generosity rule. But now verse 7, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is the conviction rule. Believing that if you ask the Lord, He will convict your heart 
And then you will willingly act upon that conviction according to whatever conviction has come on your heart. Then verse 8, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. This is the promise of blessing. So today, we're going to give by this Macedonian model. We're going to give ourselves to the Lord and commit ourselves to each other. And we're going to follow the generosity rule that says so sparingly, the blessing returns sparingly. So generously, the blessing comes generously. And we're going to follow the conviction rule. And I pray you always follow the conviction rule in your heart that when the Spirit puts a conviction upon you, you act on it. And we're going to trust in the promise of blessing. Now I'm going to ask Erica to come up and join me here for just a moment. And I want to remind you of the task that we're looking at today. And Ariel, you can head up there now if you want. So I want to remind you of the task that we're looking at today. Now, just like when you buy a house or something, you have down payment and then you have payments. You secure a loan with a certain amount down. Now, oh, I need to change, don't I? Sorry, time to put the work clothes on. My mistake. I really, darling, I should have gone with the blue tie because it's not a good look, but... There we go. It's at least unforgettable, right? Okay. Let's see if I can get it this. Yeah. I can't ever put this on. Did I get it right? Nope. Ah, see. Some people are just not suited to practical labor. Right? You can't even put the outfit on. All right. There we go. It's a little snug, so I'm not going to zip. Should have gotten the extra large. But uh, all right. So just to remind you, of what we're doing here. So we need about two and a half million to secure the loan and about 50,000 each month to make sure we have our payments. But here's the really awesome news. We already have 1.25 million raised for this project. And that's without all of the ones of you who haven't contributed yet contributing. Isn't that amazing? God has blessed us and many of our financial leaders in this community have been gracious beyond what you can even imagine to get us to this point right now. Now, 50000 a month is what we need, but I'm actually not that worried right now about that specific number because what I really want to encourage today, I think that number will take care of itself. What I really want to encourage today is that everyone be a part of this. No matter at what level, but at whatever level, God convicts your heart to be a part of it. Now, some of you, that means you can be a significant part of this. But others, that might mean just a tiny bit. But here's the thing. I want every family in this church, every giving unit, every individual to feel a sense of ownership and pride when you walk through this lobby and when you walk through the new children's ministry building to be able to look back and say, I had a part in this. I was a part of the project of our generation. And should the time go, we, 
absolutely, I'd be just fine if Jesus wanted to come in the middle of the project and we never got it done. Great, that's good with me. But if he doesn't, and if another 50 years goes by, I better not do 50, I probably won't be here for 50 more. (laughs) Another 30 years goes by, I want to walk through that building and see kids in there and know I acted in this day to make a difference in this time. Now, Eric has been a big part of this project and a big part of our, our fundraising team, and she's played a leadership role in, in getting a lot of the groups together that have done a lot of the fun stuff, uh, all of these different things, and a lot of others. Loretta Houck has worked with her just so closely on doing so many things. But Erica has played a huge role in this and been a real energy and encouragement to us. So I wanted her to come here first so that I could thank you for your good work and for being a part. But I also wanted you to tell everybody, what does this project mean to you? Um, thank you. There's a lot more than Loretta and I. There, we have a huge team, passionate team. Um, so really thank you and thank you to the spouses and the grandparents who helped with all the kids because we all have lots of kids. <laughs> um, but uh, for, for myself and our family personally, um, this church is huge. It's very big. We sense that in our lobbies. We sense that in our Sabbath schools. And I don't even know. um, It's easy to feel like a number when it's so big and so cramped. And I'm not sure how we ended up in the Sabbath school that we did end up in, but we um, became a part of Grace and Truth, which is led by Dr. Ted Hamilton, Dr. Lauren Houck, um, Terry Shaw, and some others. And for for me, spiritually, I have never experienced, man, (laughs) I've never experienced Jesus in the way that I experienced him in that class. I personally got roots. My husband got roots. We have roots here. It's no longer our church. It's our home. And so now that we have children, our children are involved and we don't have space in our Sabbath schools. Um, We're in Cradle right now, which is why you probably don't ever see me. And it's downstairs. (laughs) And we've had to move walls and there's still not space. Um, Grace and Truth can't meet in our church anymore because there's not space. They're outside in um, Gift and Thrift. Thank you, Gift and Thrift, for sharing. Um, So to us, this project is about making space for not only our family here, but for those who maybe haven't set foot in our church. Let's make space for them so they have a place to sit. Um, they can g- get roots like we had roots. So for, for me, it's about community. It's about um, space. Talk about your daughter and what she... Oh, yeah. Doing. Okay. So this... More, so this... Um, and, and, and our Sabbath school teachers matter. Ms. Becker up here, and Mrs. Tavashi, and um, really Pastor Barb and all her leadership. This is why we're so thankful. Juliet this morning while I was getting ready um, sang, was singing, praise him, praise him, all you little children. And that's because people are giving here. And I want other people's children to experience that. It's been neat to see the songs that come out of our children's mouths when they're playing Thomas the Train or whatever it is. Um, and it feels good as a mom to, to know that that's what's in their heart. So you and Tim 
You're a young family and lots of challenges and lots of expenses and very young. lots of stuff. Yet, you got invited to be a part of this project. How did you get involved? Oh, um, so I have been involved in some other ministries and such, and, and I just started kind of feeling my heart being pulled to, child, to my children, and how could I get involved with children? And I really don't like being up front. <laughs> Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Yeah, you're welcome. Um, it was so, only three times. <laughs> so, so leading a Sabbath school just isn't something I'm very, com- wasn't something for me, I didn't think. And, um, and I was just, I have a hard time having devotions because I'm really busy in the morning with our three young children. I think my son might be laying in the aisle right now. <laughs> anyway, he really is laying in the yeah. aisle. Well, okay, you know. so I was just praying to God, like, what, I don't know what this means for my life. I just, I know it has to do with our children. How do I get involved? And um, later that same day, I got a text from Rob, Rob Fulbright uh, recruiting me, asking me to be a part of the um, capital campaign. Now, it's capital campaign um, committee, and um, I don't know much about capital campaigning. I know nothing. And I, I thought, oh, maybe this is for me. And so I called him and I talked to him about it, and I, I jumped on board. Um, I had no idea what I was thinking, because the very first meeting with the North American Division, um, I think it was the first, he came in and talked about all these numbers. And anyone who knows me, like, numbers are not my strong suit. And I left leaving thinking, what do I have to give here? I, I, I am not remotely qualified. And pretty much all of us really didn't know how we got involved. But um, the neat thing about Rob's leadership and Pastor Jeff's leadership, they really showed us we're all qualified. And um, I'm, I'm really proud to be here. Amen. And you've done an amazing job. So, so you and Tim didn't just volunteer you guys also made a commitment and you guys made a significant commitment as a family together to this project now i suppose you probably had a long history of uh, giving sizable gifts to different things and uh, to talk about that experience a little bit no no we've never given like this before um never <laughs> so this was a really uh, it was a huge stretch for us because we've never done anything like this and we knew we wanted to give. That wasn't even a question. We were on board. We are giving. Um, but this kind of gift, we stretched. And it was probably, the, it is the biggest gift we've ever given um, for God, really. And, um, and I, as scary as it was, I, I would do it again once we save some money. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. All right. So... What would you tell your brothers and sisters today as we get ready to move into our time of giving? Well, I think we need to thank the people who built this church um, because we're being blessed beyond measure. And I think that it's our time to pick up the torch. It's our time to be the light for our community outside of ourselves and to go bold, to stretch, and, 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 and pray about what that means for you and your family. Our oldest son is asking if he can give out of his train bank. To me, that's a huge gift, um, even though it's really just some quarters and pennies. So it all matters. Um, and I think that someday, I hope we're in heaven at this point, but I would really like to 
know that our, our children's children and their children and these other generations, they have enough seats to sit in and they have enough space. So Amen. let's pick up the tor torch and finish the marathon. Amen. So we're come to the time, yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to pray here in a minute that God will convict our hearts. And there's, there's two categories here. There's one-time gifts, and then there's recurring gifts. Now, let me explain to you how that works. One-time gifts are made out of the blessings of the Lord in the past that we have amassed. We take from those and we give one-time gifts. Recurring gifts come out of the monies that the Lord provides us on a regular basis. So we can demonstrate generosity in both places. Now, there are different people in a church like that. There are some folks who have amassed a great deal, but they don't really have a high income at this point. Folks like that can give a significant amount from what they've amassed, even if they can't make a regular recurring gift that matches that. Other folks Maybe they're in the midst of raising kids and in the midst of a lot of stuff, and they don't have that big amassed amount that they can give from, but they can be high earners. And you take a percentage of what the Lord is giving you now and give it on that consistent basis, and it adds up over time and makes a difference. The span we're talking about for this project is three years. The text we're keeping in mind is 2 Corinthians 8:12. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Now in a second, I'm going to encourage you to give, but I want to explain to you the mechanics of how we're going to do this. Okay? The goal is that everyone participate, or at least the giving units as families participate. You were given a card when you came in here, and I seem to have dropped mine somewhere, but uh, you were given a commitment card when you came in here. Did I leave it down there? I don't know. Anyway, you were given a commitment card. You got it there. Okay, there's the, there's the envelopes. You've got the envelope, but there were also cards. There, Aaron's got one. There we go. All right. Thank you, man. All right. Determining my commitment. Now, there's a page in here that can be torn off at the back. Now, this is just one of the ways to go about this. And we want you to fill out this card regardless, but let me tell all the tech savvy out there of the really cool way to do this. And that is you go to the website www.buildingboldlyforjesus.org. You're going to go there. It's going to come up and you're going to see two buttons at the top. One says one-time gift. The other says for a recurring gift. All you have to do is click on this. I know you know how to do this. You've all ordered from Amazon a million times. I get it. You go on that recurring gift, you go down, you fill in the information on that, and you are already set up. And it will automatically make the deductions for the span of this project for the three years. You can take care of it right now and be done with it. If you don't want to do it that way, and you, you want to do it writing a check or some other means, then you tear this card off, and tear it off even if you're using your electronic device. You tear it off, you fill it out, and you put the information on here of what God is convicting your heart to do. And when you're done filling that out, you're going to bring it forward and you're going to put it in one of these toolboxes here or here, or there's one up in the balcony, and we got some kids that are going to be up here helping you. 
when you come and put your card in, they're going to give you a sticker. And in fact, they'll give you one for everybody in your clan. I think we have enough for that. But I want to tell you something about this sticker because this is a very special sticker. You've seen this before. I am forgiven. But there's another way to read that. I am forgiving. As in, I want to be a part. Now, this is a very meaningful sticker to all of us that are part of the fundraising team because this sticker was developed by our fundraising team leader, Rob Fulbright. And he was looking forward to this day. And girls, awesome job singing today. You're honoring him by singing today. These stickers are a, are a reminder of a great leader in our midst who got us started on this project, who had the vision of this project. And I want you to have one of these. And he would want you to have one of these. So fill out your card, bring it forward, make your commitment, and receive a sticker that you are forgiving. You join Rob in that spirit, forgiving to God's purpose. I'm going to give you a few minutes to do this right now, and Cantable is going to sing for us again while we reflect. Generosity rule, conviction rule. Give according to what the Lord has blessed you with.
We don't want to rush you if you're finishing up. But I do want you to know that there have been a lot of people involved in the work to bring us to this day. A lot of folks that we're appreciative who've been willing to participate, but also, again, another testimony to the good work of Rob Fulbright in our community. He reached out to a group that hasn't necessarily always been in the middle of things. Erica was one of them, some others, and brought them into this team, and they've made a real difference as they're becoming leaders in our community. The Lord's blessing, I believe, is on this project. He's helped us over the last two years to define what it is, and He's brought us to this day. Now in faithfulness, let's honor our commitments to the Lord. And by faith, let us see this work be done. Let's pray. Father in heaven, look upon your people with grace and mercy. Lord, fulfill the promises of your word. As we have sowed generously, so may we reap generously. As we have acted upon conviction, so may we be blessed. And may this work get done that we might be Jesus' light in the world. In His name we pray. Amen. Amen.